0: Hey, what's up? What's up, fellas? What's up, ladies? What's
1: up? Uh, nothing. It is cold and wet, and I'm just not having it. So I'm here talking to you, Djins. It's so
0: you said job. it's you got snow capped Rockies fringing the southern yeah, California. Yeah, it's something that I've 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 basin. lived here
1: my entire life. Basically, I have never seen it. These like LA is surrounded by mountains. They're pretty low, like barely mountains. Mm-hmm. It's Just LA is kind of in a basin. Um. And my entire life, like like when after a really heavy rain, maybe one or two of the very tallest peaks will get a light little dusting. It'll look like powdered sugar on mm-hmm. a little scone. Um and, and then <laughs> and we'll all look in and be like, Wow, it snowed. Um and yesterday I, I you know, I went out and saw like the entire mountain range is covered in snow. It's it's that's, spectacular. That's really it's pretty beautiful, though, isn't it? It's very pretty. It's just and- it's just but Shocking. it's disturbing,
0: isn't it? I mean, yeah, because
1: it's like within my lifetime, yeah. I have seen like I have seen the shift, like weather related things that I cannot relate to from even just on the, like years ago. Yeah.
2: And on the opposite side, um New York Jer- New York, New Jersey has had like one light dusting of a snowstorm and that's about it. Yeah, which is happening crazy. right now. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I saw um um a meteorological survey said that California might have the biggest snowpack in the country right now, sitting in the mountains.
0: Wow. It's like, like
1: the- I mean, we kind of needed it, right? So if it melts and it, if, if, if it's true, you then, do need um, it. Yeah. We've, we've helped out this crazy, this crazy um water shortage situation that's been plaguing, plaguing us for the last like 20 years. I don't think it'll solve it, but it'll definitely be like a, it'll be a little bailout.
0: We'll for, for for some reason I think of all like the LA hipsters looking at these snow capped, rocky like mountains suddenly kind of turning into Sam Elliott going broom, broom, uh, fresh fresh as the pure rock and mountains. And <laughs> <Earth, laughs> they're like, the like
1: Well if want, if Boys I wanted <laughs> if I wanted to see this, I'd have stayed home in Kansas. <laughs> I didn't come to LA for this shit and like, well back we where got, you came from.
0: <laughs> we got big <laughs> mountains and even bigger men. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what <laughs> I <have> No, idea. <laughs> runs as pure as the rock and mountain snow over here in Southern California. <laughs> uh, all right. So we are. Yeah, we we're all busy. We're all busy people. Uh, we don't look listeners. We don't we don't really have a clear plan of action here. We're not going to tackle major, major topics of uh, of pressing uh, importance to the Asian American community today. Uh, I think we're going to talk about something that we just chat about a lot, which is uh, how the hell do people, uh, how does a household earn four hundred thousand dollars a year and complain that they can't make ends meet? <laughs> is that a good starting point? You think? Should- yeah, we yeah. don't do
1: current events. We don't do we don't do matters of you know national or international import. We do slow the slow drip of existential angst. That's yeah. our niche. That's our specialty here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I will say before we get into the topic I will say that in I think 2017 um they passed a bill in Congress and I think Judy Chu and Grace Meng were sponsors of it where the Congress expressed regret over the Chinese Exclusion Act okay and that yes, was in 2017 that. yeah and then yeah. in 2021 uh that was the 112th Congress I believe and then in oh sorry 2022 I think the 115th Congress or 17th Congress 117th Congress, Tom Cotton introduced a bill where one of the headings was exclusion of certain Chinese students. Oh God. From, yes, from, yes. From, yeah. from obtaining a visa if they want to pursue a STEM degree. Mm-hmm. So that, I just know, in that apology not- didn't really mean shit, did it? Because yeah. five years later you have literally a bill in Congress that said exclusion of Chinese. So yeah, uh, where yeah. is where is that bill? Right now, uh, it's uh, no, it's dead. I don't think that went anywhere. Okay. But, oh, uh, so it wasn't
2: twenty twenty two. I thought it was like more recent, but okay.
0: Twenty, it was one hundred seventeenth Congress. Um, okay, so yeah. So that had to be twenty twenty two. Not sure. We're at the one hundred eighteenth. Um. Yeah, I just refer to Congress by season now yeah that's yeah like
1: you were talking about, like i think it was 108 I'm like where's this going how is this relevant oh okay
0: congress this, this is this is how teen measures the time now snow of the southern california yeah. rockies <laughs> um anyway i just <laughs> well, i just, by the just the position snow. of those two and i like screenshotted the bills like the you know the formal yeah the formal bills and the, the language is just you know it sometimes you got to see it and i think you know if media is not going to do its job and report on this stuff, like, well, we have the Internet. It's not hard to dig this stuff up. I mean, you could see the bill text for yourself. And yeah. it's really quite surprising when you put them side by side that they would apologize for Chinese Exclusion Act and then propose a Chinese Exclusion Act. <laughs> Five seasons later sure. on on Congress. Well, I remember...
1: And we're not, we're not pros at this. So never take our word for it. I remember reading through parts of that in 2017 and being very underwhelming. It was very much just uh, now that now, you know, now that, you know, everyone involved, there can be no consequences for anyone who's actually involved and there is no money that needs to change hands. We're Mm -hmm. just going to do a token like Sorry, there was a disclaimer
0: section that said nothing in this creates any right of action or anything. Yeah, nothing on this is binding to anybody for any purpose whatsoever. It's just some Mm -hmm. bullshit because you know we don't want to look bad saying no to it. Yeah, it (laughs) costs nothing. Basically, yeah.
1: (laughs) And then, um, and then a little bit more recently than that, I think it was, um, the Supreme Court uh I, I think we talked about this before too the supreme court declining to actually close the door like legally speaking on japanese incarceration
2: yeah internment yeah, yeah. um yeah. yeah
0: yeah there is there is i'm following because... i'm following i
1: said incarceration i'm following um i'm following the lead of the la times which i think did a pretty good job um it was actually um um Henry Furman, um, you know, rest in peace. He died a year or two ago. He was an editor for the LA Times. I think he was he's Japanese American himself. I think he might have okay. uh his mother was in was in the internment camps. And then he put he put mm. down a line saying like, no, we're calling it what it is. This is incarceration. This is an illegal yeah. this was illegal Japanese incarceration. Yeah, these weren't
0: internships. No, no. <laughs> yeah.
1: They weren't just packed with no, interns. I, I... Yeah. Unpaid no, I'm, I'm all for here, that right? Yeah, you so he wanted to a, actually like name the thing spade, that was actually you know? happening, right? Yeah. Um and so ever since like the LA Times has held the line on that, every time I, I see a mention yeah. of that, it say, that says like Japanese incarceration. And I think it 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 it's more impactful and it's more truthful. So oh, totally. um in case it totally. hit anyone a little weird that I said incarceration, like I actually think that's the proper way to talk about it. No, totally.
2: Um, I I just, I tend to use internment just because that's what people
3: understand.
1: Right. But like, it was an interesting, like, like, like I hadn't questioned it before. And then like, as soon as I read his rationale and how the LA Times was, was moving with it, like, it actually makes a lot of sense. And then every time I noticed, it gets invoked in other reporting, like there's like, if it's, um, like if it's invoked in like context of like current like uh Sino US relations or something or like what it what like um what shit could turn into for Asian Americans now. Um naming it that actually mm. it it makes the stakes a little bit clearer, I think. Yeah. So that's yeah. just what that's that was just a personal uh thing that I learned from and I just wanna keep going with that. Um, Another thing I oh, yeah.
0: learned in digging around uh, on this stuff is that you will see the claim that Korematsu, which upheld the constitutionality of internment, uh, members of the court, including I believe John Roberts, um, have claimed that Korematsu was finally overturned in 2018, uh, which I had heard before, but I'm like, I'm not, did they really? And I looked, and nope. Uh, the, the no, reality- it's not. It was
1: more like like they just said like like the tides of history have just simply moved on. So it just it's icky, basically, to reconsider it now. But that they re- declined to actually put like a like shut the legal door on it, mm-hmm. saying like that's definitely if you want if, like it's going to be a real problem if you want to try to bring that back.
0: It's just interesting that the court, the justices themselves, and I believe it's Sotomayor and. Uh, Roberts in a dissenting opinion, meaning that they were in the minority of the court, had said in a dissenting opinion that they had finally uh, overturned Korematsu. And I looked it up, and there's a lot of commentary around this where most constitutional scholars says, eh, not really. You can't overturn in a minority decision. And second, mm-hmm. the issue wasn't actually before the court. So right. Right. the whether Korematsu was actually overturned or not, Mm, still up in the air it's not clear so that, that would There's take never another an challenge right? holding that yeah. it was that it was that it was uh overturned and what that's called in legalese is called dicta which is some shit that i said on the side but it's not really core to the actual case at hand and so no koromatsu is still in sort of limbo territory
1: Right. Yeah, if you think so. I recall the language being something like, uh, like the mores of the time have changed. So this is unpalatable given, cur- you know, where we are as a society now. Yeah. But a case has, but in order to actually, they declined to, to speak on it until another, until an actual case is brought to them that explicitly Calls this, case, right. calls Korematsu again. I mean, that's so, that's substantively
0: yeah. correct, but people will, if you're debating someone about this, they will point to language in 2018 where Robert said this has been overturned,
3: mm-hmm.
0: explicitly overturned. But the point is that he wasn't writing for the majority and yeah. the issue wasn't up for review. So it doesn't really count, even though the language, you can, you know, a wily person who wants to make that case can point to that quote. And it sounds like they did, but they didn't. Right.
1: Yeah, and that right. just recalls, you know, um the toothlessness of that, right? Like this this does mm-hmm. become like legal minutia, basically, trivia. Uh like this is a Scalise point. I think teen you talked about it um at least a few times, right? Um In times of war, the law falls silent.
0: Yeah, which is like that, that mm-hmm. the
1: outer I mean, this is very
0: familiar with uh to anyone that um you know pays attention, is that the outer bound is not the outer bound of what can be done is not the law. It's actually national security. There's an out there's a boundary beyond the legal layer, which is the national security layer that kicks in where the courts are actually excised or removed from having the authority to review the actions of, uh, of a president,
1: which right. has been an so, ongoing process. 911 was an exercise in that like oh, yeah. removing oh, yeah. authority from the public or even judicial sphere under the guise of you know in the interests of national security so empowering you know empowering I guess what is I guess branches of the government that are not directly under uh public control or under judicial review so we've been we've been like a we've been doing this for for a long time yeah, it's a it's a yeah. common thing I mean people don't know I mean I I was working
0: directly on this. Uh, Dodd Frank is the same thing. Dodd Frank people don't know this because they, you know, the media is not going to report on this. Um, but you know, uh, those of us who are actually working on it knew this very well. Is that Dodd Frank was a national security law, and it said the next time the you know something like the financial crisis happens again, we're gonna that the president's gonna declare a state of national emergency, and the courts are gonna be unable to review anything that they do. So if they do another bailout. Nobody can sue. Nobody can, you know, you can't go to court and try to enjoin it because they're saying it's a matter of national security. So the, the tactic of, of moving a lot of issues beyond the realm of the law and into the right. sphere of national security, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be something like 9-11, you know, where, you know, maybe it makes like more uh, intuitive sense that we might do something like that. Like mm-hmm. we'll do it. We'll do it when it comes to, you know, bank solvency. Uh, for sure, then we would do it when it comes to something like Chinese espionage or you know whatever. Right. So, well, I mean, yeah. I can
2: also I can already see that I can see that sort of national security angle is oh it is used in sort of um, Tom Cotton's bill, right? Yes. Or yeah, um, exactly. property like the Texas property rights laws that are coming up right Who yeah, can and if they property? sue
0: they're i guarantee you they're going to claim that this is a national security a- issue absolutely and so so absolutely it, it, and this and is our just shit we up,
1: have to do despite on its face being yeah. socially uh unpalatable and distasteful but shit we got to do what we got to do
2: or just or illegal you know i mean even based on our own constitution and stuff yeah right but our 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 government's structured this way to allow this type of thing
1: Wow. Yeah, so it's a it's a I, I guess for me it's just a little like ongoing, uh, lesson in the fragility of quote the system to keep you safe. Oh, the sure. relative fragility oh, yeah. of it. Um, yeah. uh, yeah. So that's that's where I'm at. This is a cheery topic for a rainy day.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. I the the look. I I really do think that the walls are starting to close in a little bit. You know, one thing I notice is like when it comes to uh, and, I, you know, a lot of this I trace back to, you know, the ge- geopolitical events, right? It's, you know, obviously the more uh, tense things get, you know, in Asia and against, you know, vis-a-vis China specifically, um, the more we're starting to see this xenophobia at home. And this is something, this is a clear lesson. I, I still can't believe people question this. I mean, this is the origin of Japanese internment. The only difference is back then, they didn't hide it. And they were just like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're afraid they're going to be spies, so we're going to lock them up. Uh, and we knew that, you know, there were all sorts of other interests in play as to why they did that, including taking their land away. Mm-hmm. Uh, because white farmers were, you know, not happy competing with Japanese farmers and their superior techniques. And so they just took it and they used national security as a as an excuse, as a, as cover, a, yep. as a cover story. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And so it's happening. I mean, why, why wouldn't this happen? Why wouldn't, you know, um, a geopolitical conflict with China, just like it did back in World War II, result in, uh, you know, the abuse of the rights of Chinese and Asian Americans here? It, this is, you know, I don't understand when someone who claims to be an Asian American studies this or that, you know, can't make that obvious link. Yeah, agreed. You know, and uh, to their credit, I think a lot have, but I, not forcefully enough, in my opinion, to say, no, Japanese internment was a res- direct result of foreign policy and, you know, supranational issues that absolutely triggered, you know, monstrous uh domestic policy when it came to uh japanese americans why why wouldn't we expect that that would happen now? how is this even a question
1: yeah I, don't, I think a lot yeah. of times it's
0: like these basic lessons that we were taught about stuff like just doesn't it just doesn't register because we 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 feel like no no no, no. this time you see it'll be different. different this time the Chinese really are bad I'm like yeah the Japanese were fucking bad too in World War II okay <laughs> <laughs> like yeah okay I mean the, if you want to excuse yeah. it no one, no one goes back and tries to justify the Japanese in turn like but wait the Japanese Empire was pretty bad guys <laughs> like, yeah.
1: yeah well I I think it's pretty I I as much as it's it's tempting to just rail on individuals who are doing this uh, and, and and we've indulged in that these people do deserve to be called out for for the disingenuous uh bullshit that they spew another thing is it's very real like they would probably lose funding they would lose standing in their professions if they went too hard on this so sure. i mean That's why they probably don't do it. yeah i mean That's this, is, this ties a little bit into the previous uh pod we did um uh talking about talking about where where the left the quote left in America may be actually uh carrying some water for really dangerous ele- for dangerous like political elements in this country um I think a lot of the like Asian American scholarly establishment is uh is heavily focused on the matter of like racism. But racism framed like interpersonally, not structurally or politically, interpersonally, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's very, very concerned with prosecuting like, like incidences of individual racism, particular by white people, pretty much exclusively by white people, may I add, too. Um, as an interpersonal matter that needs to be that needs to be hashed out with some vague assumption that if we just fixed every white person in this country, then that would have a roll up effect and of, and our foreign policy would smooth over as a result, because all the white people are thinking correctly when it comes to Asians. Um, that's you, tactically see- and ideologically misguided and downright disingenuous i think like like uh wait why are we talking about this when we're trying, trying to talk when we're trying to dunk on uh rich lawyers how, <laughs> how the fuck do we get here
0: because like i think we got a little self-conscious about the topic oh, yeah. and now we're talking about real shit oh and- yeah. <laughs> yeah let me get my
1: box. i'll tell you how we need revolution in the streets yeah do not look at my bougie air fryer um did you all see
0: that clip that was like making its rounds a few days ago from Karine Jean Pierre, you know, the White House press secretary about oh, how and she was like reading from her notes? She was like, you know, seven. Uh, we have seven. Oh the majority yeah. Majority of the cabinet is either non-white or um, a woman. Uh, we have seven or or LGBT, 10, LGBTQ plus. whatever. Yeah, and she was just like reading it off like her notes, and everyone like everyone had a bad reaction to it and i'm like yeah because there there wasn't any sense of like commitment to any value there wasn't any sense of like yeah this is good because it was just like yeah i mean this we told this is what you all wanted right we gave it to you we got like we got like seven lgbtq plus people on there i mean come on we're awesome what a
1: divert! I mean, look at how many different kinds of people we are allowing to ruin the country what, what's the real land?
2: difference between that and the binders full of, full of women
0: right. None. done and none, I, I think right? people were like yeah there is none i mean think there the reaction none. was like who,
1: well, who so cares
0: what? <laughs> what why are you just reading off and she said it with like almost no you know conviction it was just like you know you guys aren't giving us credit because you know we it's like god dude <laughs> this is so ridiculous i can't you know i can't believe they just came out and said that um and you know i, well, I brought well, that up just well, because well. of what you said about you know yeah. how this everything's interpersonal now like I, 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 who cares what your the makeup of your cabinet is when you know culturally speaking you Show up to East Palestine right? <laughs> Yeah, show up to East Palestine Don't fuck <laughs> it up the way Buttigieg, Buttigieg did I don't care that he's a gay man It doesn't matter to, to the water supply right. Or the residents of East Palestine It doesn't matter that he's gay Who cares And it doesn't really even matter that like, He's not
2: responsible for Either the Obama era deregulations The Trump era deregulations And all the deregulations before then like he's the transportation secretary now. Yeah, he's responsible. What's he for doing it? now? Yeah, for to make sure these things don't happen or managing situations that are happening.
0: He he's dude, not doing anything. He literally said that because some reporter accost, accosted him, asked them a <laughs> days, ask called, him a question these days. Ask him a question. Someone
1: that's called have yeah you, harm. Have you, know, have
0: you noticed this? Fuck these fucking people like walk around as if they're celebrities, and that the reporters asking them questions are like from TMZ. Yeah, you know? right. yeah, exactly. Like, like, As if they're right. asking him, like, "Hey, are you dating whatever?" You know, right. like, like no, an AP reporter it. or some paparazzi. They're right? asking you a question of like supreme public interest here. Yeah, like right in your wheelhouse of official duty and responsibility. And he's acting like they're asking him an unfair question about whether he is dating some other celebrity, you right? Know? Or he- like whether he was like driving the train. Like, no, we're not yeah. saying you were driving the train, bro. And so he goes. They said, when are you going to take responsibility for this? And you know what he said? He said, I'll take this is what he said. I'll take responsibility for this when the people who served under Trump and the Trump alumni take responsibility for what they did. I'm like, dude, (laughs) they're not in office anymore. They don't take responsibility for shit. You assumed the mantle of responsibility for all past actions and the current. Why did you want the job then? So I don't want to hear these people talk about the buck stops with me or like we need accountability yeah, in government. They're so anti-accountability, it's preposterous, and it's gotten to the point where people just see it now. They just see it. Oh and yeah, they're like what is this guy on about? Yeah. So yeah, it really. It's, he's talking
1: to an audience. Uh, he, he he's talking to an audience that does not feel like it has stakes in East Palestine, Ohio it's, it's saying like I mean, it's well it really wasn't shocking. it's m- not my fault so what the fuck do i give a shit that's that's the mood here and for a lot of people watching it will be well it wasn't trump and it's a bunch of it's a bunch of poor people in ohio who gives a shit
0: yeah there are people who are actually saying that and yeah. like oh they said was, the, oh biden won without ohio so why should he care that's, yeah. that's, that's what we're talking about. And I'm like, yeah, th- I think you know, I saw
1: so- someone posting like pictures of Trump signs or something from Ohio or something. Yeah, he went. Uh, he and he like, went. These to there, are, the, these went are the people in East Palestine you're going for, by if, the way. If right. ever
0: there's an argument to get rid of the electoral college system, it's found in that quote. He didn't. Yes. He won without Ohio, so why should he care? Right. I mean, come <laughs> even, on, people. I mean,
2: it's ridiculous. And like, I, I, you know, I just, even just like lightly calling out like just the officials not going, like Biden didn't go. Uh, Budajesh didn't go until Trump went, and like some guy responded like, to the answer. He's are like, "They have a governor, office
1: right? That means every single piece of land in under federal jurisdiction is your responsibility. Who actually Absolutely. cast a yeah. vote or didn't is fun- it's irrelevant fundamentally irrelevant to your duty, right? Yeah, uh,
2: it's because uh, you're not you're not senator or, uh, or rep- representative of a state.
0: Like you're you're." Well, well you then know. it it tells you their mindset because when they say take responsibility, they don't mean, okay, I'm gonna take authority here and mm-hmm. do something. I'm gonna mm-hmm. investigate, I'm gonna push, I'm gonna uncover. No, they think of it as who's gonna get blamed. Right. Right. Which is the classic fucking corporate mindset. You know, it's what, the yeah. classic McKinsey mindset. You know, yeah, well, I was gonna, gonna say, what do you expect liability. from a McKinsey
2: consultant, right?
3: Yeah.
0: So it's so every time someone says accountability, they immediately assume that blame, means blame, because yep. they're all playing a reality show called Survivor, and they're just trying not to get canceled. That's all they care about. They just want to hold on to their job so that they can keep ascending that career arc of theirs. That's all they care about. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's insane. I mean, I mean it's well, it's not vanity. insane, actually. It makes a lot of sense, but it's sad. Uh, you know, so. Because there's
1: real victims. Know. Yeah. And every time every time the consequences come ba- come back, uh there's a there's a learned helplessness and just just ignorance about the world and just why did Hillary lose? I can't believe why why we can't get this shit done. Well, hmm. you know because they you're not <laughs> fundament-
0: I think part of it is they're just not motivated by like they're not motivated by you know a real sense of like national duty. Mhm and you know that it just in our day and age like that's been so corrupted to the point where it's like people don't even pretend they have it anymore you know like yeah yeah and so they it's just pure you know careerist uh opportunism, opportunism yeah 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 and and it's yeah and it's not just the people
2: in in positions that like you know of authority in these uh in the government like they i feel like they learn it from the people that uh like the like just regular people in america and how they respond they they respond to things and i think i was cut off before but like people would respond like they respond to to like people saying you know pete why didn't you go to be like well ohio has a governor don't they and i'm like why are you talking about whether the governor like the state has a governor of course they do well he he didn't want them to come i'm like well what does that mean like that doesn't mean anything like you're the sec- you're the transportation secretary, you're the president. You can go and show you your face. You just faith. show up. You just, you just show, show up. up. You don't if the governor's going to say fuck the you, then the governor, the governor. is
0: going to look like shit. Exactly. Because, th- because the governor's saying we don't need your help. This is a local issue. And I'm like, well, then take it to the people and ask them what they think. Right. It's but like there isn't there isn't ju- there isn't that feeling. There just isn't right. a feeling of like we got lar- we got to fix this. We got to do this right. But I think they learn it. It's like a big feedback loop, right? It's not just well, them
2: feeling them it. It's like people don't
0: want it from them and then it they it, it, it's just a loop, right? I think it, people just don't give a shit about America yeah. anymore. I can't believe I'm saying that, but like I just don't I just feel like people don't really take real pride in the place anymore. And everyone and maybe this yeah. is our segue to what we were originally gonna talk about. Because um, I think it does play into this to to a degree. But like I, I have to say that like the going, you know for all the lefty talk about like what neoliberalism, this and neoliberalism, that I have always felt that there is definitely a large amount of truth to that. And, um, the, the culture, the sort of like corporate culture, because I've always felt like the United States does have a ministry of culture and it's the HR department of corporations that are dictating a lot of culture in America, um, that bleeds out into like real world society. And that's how we get, questions of like how do people even survive on four hundred thousand dollars a year uh which was four hundred thousand dollars a year became a thing in the media because um biden had proposed tax hikes for those for for families making over 400k and there there was like a series of like articles that were trying to say like it's really not, that not that much that money much money <laughs> you know and like what is 400k really like what is it really like trying to live on 400k in a high cost of living city and they're like you know after daycare and tuition and all this stuff and then two family vacations and then this and then you know basically listing off the all the stuff of material consumption that we would consider normal middle class Mm. um they're like i'm left with like barely any savings you know and jess you had brought up that article about um I always I forget one, what's right. called. what is it? The, the Fleischmanns
1: are in trouble. Yeah.
0: yeah. The Fleischmanns are cut? in trouble. Yeah, we, trouble.
1: we we referenced it a couple pods ago.
2: And that the cut article, right? The Fleischmann yeah. effect, do they call it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, they'll they'll run through, you know, this the annual spend of a uh well to do family earning, you know, middle six figures and basically saying, like, we're not rich, we shouldn't have taxes raised because we can barely make ends meet. And There is a level to which I don't think they're lying, that it is really hard to live with the same... I would say this. You know, it's funny, because I was just in my old neighborhood over the weekend. Um, Shannon and I went to, like, the Brooklyn Heights area. Uh, We were just kind of tripping around Brooklyn, and we ended up there. And I'm walking around at night, and I'm like, you know, I used to live here. When I first moved there, you know, I knew a few... You know, there were, like, the brownstones in, like, Brooklyn were... Pretty expensive still. I mean, super it's always been very expensive, but like it was like law firm partners and those types of people that live there. Um, not all I'm sure some of them are like old money, like Paul Giamatti's family's there. Mm. But like now it's like Matt Damon lives there. Oh you know, and and uh, all these like hard this big time fucking celebrities are moving there. And what I've no- what I've noticed is that and I knew a lot of people, you know, I knew like a lot of people there when I when I was living there, like kind of generally like older white couples and stuff, and they, here's the thing, is like they wanted to lead a the classic middle-class existence. Yes, middle-class, meaning, you know, I have a car, I have kids that I send to a good school, I have enough space in my home to like house two kids, you know, that kind of thing. And... What we would consider like just the basics of like American middle class life. If you insist on living in New York City as an upwardly mobile white family, and I will say white because I think it's a little bit different for non white people, which we can talk about, it is insanely expensive. It is insanely expensive to not have to be relocated to. Quote the outer boroughs, or to New Jersey, or upstate. You know, uh, not upstate, <laughs> Westchester, uh, <laughs> Long upstate. Island. You know, yeah, that's upstate. And you know, uh, Jess, I feel I have run into people in the in SoCal who have you know kind of feel the same way. They don't want to leave West LA. They don't want to leave like the coastal area. They, you know, there's like a big fight for everyone to get into a place like Manhattan Beach because it has an independent school district that's apparently a lot better than LA County. So, uh, so there's a, you know, the, there's like a real. There, I don't know about now, but there, I I knew a lot of people, a lot of Asian families, in fact, that were like fighting to get a house in Manhattan Beach so that they could send their kids to man, you know, the schools there and still be on the coast in West LA where it's cool and hip. And have that middle class lifestyle in a place that is like a premium zip code, and that's how four hundred thousand dollars doesn't really get make n- ends meet <laughs> is is my read on it. Right?
1: Yeah. Knows. Like the title, like like how do you how do you make it on four hundred thousand dollars a year? Right? That's that's glib and that's obviously you know rage bait, you know, uh, click you know click bait shit. Um, what it's what it actually means that it the ultimate statement is that it is getting increasingly expensive. Uh, to support the lifestyle to which you are accustomed to, and to which you feel you are entitled to by virtue of class uh, position in society,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: right. Um, so all the responses saying like, "Bro, I make sixty five thousand dollars a year. I live in like Idaho, and I'm raising a family of five. Like, I have I have three kids, right? I have a family of five. It's possible, dude. Get over yourself, right." That's actually I mean, like we're not talking about the same thing here because we're not talking about like just the raw matter of survival. We're talking about both maintaining a certain uh, level of, of existence that you feel that you want, first of all. Uh, that the social contract you bought into when you say like started, you know, college and 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 started your career path, you were promised implicitly this would be stuff that you were entitled to by virtue of like working hard, you're in the right schools, doing the grind, all that stuff. And you're finding once you get there that uh, that that it's not matching up to your expectation and what you want. And because nothing is actually worse than sliding down the ladder, you're just simply paying out more and more to stay at the same level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um
0: but my but what i'm trying to the 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 little like um gloss that i'm trying to put on that is that 400k or whatever you know whatever number it is like i mean virtually like america is still is a pretty cheap place to live overall it has
1: so much land yeah yeah,
0: yeah i mean, I mean it's, our it's gas prices cities... are a lot lower and yeah Yeah, I mean, most cities in America are lower. It's lower, yeah. Yeah, we're not even talking about small towns. I mean, Chicago is pretty affordable relative to... You know, like Atlanta is pretty affordable relative to, you know, these are big cities. Yeah. Houston is relatively I was going to say Houston, right? Well, I mean, yeah. even
1: the big metropolitan areas, right? Like, we're still, I'm, like, I'm actually still talking about places like New York, LA, San Francisco. Yeah. Um, big, you know, the very, very, the the cities that always top the charts when it comes to high cost of living cities, right? Not I'm still talking about those control, areas. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. All, it's out of control. However... um. It's not all the same, right? Like we live in high we were talking just before we hit record. Like we all live in high cost, like the, the highest cost of living um places in America, but we have found our own ways of living in it that are that are more in line with how we want to live and that match up better with how we expect our dollars to be, you know, what how far we expect to stretch the dollar, right? um i don't i don't know i have no sympathy for the people doing a trying to engineer what a like um i don't know i don't know what's the what's the what's the bougiest place in cobble hill is that the bougiest yeah trying to recreate a cobble hill in manhattan beach like free yourself like you're you're right you're in a prison you're, in, now, your you're in
2: california now why are you trying to
1: yeah, like why there well, isn't well, then, even there isn't even an island, right? Like this will have to be on the island, or you know it's going to be like LA is a giant basin surrounded by mountains. It's it's unbelievable just how big LA is, right? It could be its own country, and it California would, it would function. just fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in
2: California, the state, is huge with a, such a diversity of of uh, climate, right? I mean,
1: we so talk about we'll, yeah, California the cost of living, lot,
2: but you know, northern California is like cold too.
0: Uh the, yeah. So the, like the funny a thing lot... about SoCal is like when you fly into it, it takes time to fly through the city. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. right? you're actually you have you're you're sitting there and you're just like flying over what is collectively called LA or SoCal or whatever, and it takes time. Whereas in like New York, yeah, you you're fly over New York City in about 45 seconds. If, <laughs> right? that. Like, yeah. if that. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: You get this whole like you're getting this whole like panorama and it's like it's built out from 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 coast to horizon. Like you cannot see the end of L.A. from the air, basically, yeah, it's, once it's you big. pull in close. Like it's massive. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of I don't I don't know exactly where you wanted to go with this team. But part of uh, my uh, like fascination with this topic is just trying to calculate the exact place at which this becomes a manufactured hype machine. That's hiding something else Because if you want to Like I, I've i yeah. read All of those op-eds About you know About I couldn't find Affordable housing In Los Angeles So that's why I moved to Ohio, Like Iowa Or Ohio Or whatever, wherever Right and It's always someone white Uh, with a with a young family and the and it's very very sympathetic very sympathetic argument right like um i had a baby or you know had had my second child and just couldn't find anything that was in my budget dot 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 we went to iowa right um like if you just take that at face value you kind of think that la is this kind of small cramped like uh like place right And like, but there's a whole range of zip codes with much more affordable housing and better living like conditions that they that they glossed over. And like, going to Iowa was better than than expanding their horizons. I just find that fascinating.
2: Um, you know, and it's funny because one of my cousins, she she's in the entertainment industry, but she's still in L.A. She has two kids now. Um, you know, she's the main breadwinner. I don't think she's hugely wealthy but she's found a way to have a nice family and um you know and she's not going to move to Iowa so like she she found a way to do it right like it's possible and she's kind of in that like cultural job space where you think maybe they'd be the ones complaining like you know I have I make x amount of money and I can't sort of afford it but she she's well, how she's, does she afford it I, I don't know <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, like I where mean, does she live? She, she like, I, I don't know exactly where she lives, but I'm sure she doesn't live like in Malibu, right, or wherever in the most expensive area. Like she, uh, she. I'm just saying that, like, there are ways. I'm agreeing with you, Jessa. So, like, there are ways to make it work. You know, you I mean, I'm making to, it
1: work. Um, you know? and I don't like the I don't like the usual rhetoric of talking about the quote housing crisis, where I'm simply not living in like Venice Beach or Manhattan Beach because I've been squeezed out. Right. That's another mm-hmm. element to the, to the discussion that I don't really see aired out more often. It's not that I, it's not, it's not that I've been squeezed out or I, I, like everyone wants to live there and just simply can't. Um, if you want to get more, like, if you want to get more woke with it, they talk about, you know, like white supremacy or gentrification. Like I'm simply structurally shut out from living in those places. Um, why like that part isn't true at all either, right? I don't like living on that side of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't find it worth the money to to live there. Um, I mean the fun the interesting part is like like technically, I could, right but at that point, that becomes more uh, a, a thing about me, an internal pr- value system that I like a process of coming to some set of like values I want to live by that's pretty individual to me, and that does not actually have much to do with structural reasons. Right. So I think that's what you're trying to talk about, teen. Right. Like it is. I think what 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 does it mean to be able to afford a place? What does it mean to like when uh, 400K doesn't buy much? What is that much you're talking about? How necessary was Mm -hmm. that? Because you're
0: right. I think what what people think they're saying when they say I can't make ends meet is that the material, the cost of like just basic material existence is like too high. And we gotta do something about that or, you know, whatever. I, I, I'm I shouldn't have my taxes raised because I can barely afford, you know, whatever. And they're making this like to be like just an outright issue of like material cost, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. it's about class identity. Agreed. It is about the class well, I think they say that stratum. because there is
1: a sympathetic, there is a sympathetic argument. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, inflation's a thing. um Like, housing is getting expensive. We have made we have made housing like an asset class. The cars um, are expensive Like overall, too, yeah. like it is going. It, it there is a bad trend line in uh in terms of what things what things are costing, how much it's costing people to be able to afford these quote normal things. So, I think that's how they dress it up. But what we're really talking about is a thing. You're you're you're. But what we're what we're, we're talking about is we're suspecting that they're that's actually cover, right? Mm-hmm. Just oh, absolutely straight up yeah, class absolutely. anxiety. Yeah. Well, because I
0: think when people say when they come to New York and they want to build a life here, you know, when they say I like I'm talking about these like you know prof, the professional class, right? When they say I want to be I'm going to be in New York, they don't mean New York. They they mean that they want to be in a certain class position in the city because only that is representative and worthy of you know of being here right like yeah you you wouldn't want to be like like the king of queens <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. you wouldn't you, would, you know right. what i'm saying like you want to you want to be living in a neighborhood that has a certain amount of cool cachet that is like recognized by other people who will Give you your New York bona fides or whatever, and why do you want that? Because this is a form of personal identity in the sense that I don't know who I am unless I have that recognition, so what I'm saying like here, okay, this is very abstract, but like here's an example, and I mentioned this on the last on the other pod, but like that we did, but uh we were. You know, we just on the weekends, you know, we've my my wife and I've been just sort of like trip into other neighborhoods just to hang out. And we went to Greenpoint. Greenpoint is, and Philip will say this because he's lived in he's stayed in Greenpoint when he does business in New York. It's not a convenient neighborhood, and mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. it, you know it's not easy to access Manhattan. You've got the G train, which doesn't go to Manhattan, and that's it. That like the only subway is G train, and Greenpoint largely is to the west of that anyway. So. It's a long walk, but on the northern tip of Greenpoint, which is like central in a way because it looks right, has an amazing view right across the East River to Manhattan. And at the same time, it is walkable to the northern part of Williamsburg, which is very convenient Williamsburg has the L train, but L train's not really accessible to Greenpointers, right? You'd have to take the G train down first. What my point is this? They've have this entire little like new city complex yeah. built right next to the Northern, river, right? Yeah. What's that? Is it like next to the river? It's right on the waterfront. Yeah. I was just I was there this last weekend. Yeah. Okay. And the apartments there are luxury, you know, luxury class apartments. You know, the typical kind with the floor to ceiling windows and that white mm-hmm. column in the corner. Um that, you know, some of them have city views and stuff. And uh, we were like wondering, like, how much would it cost? Because this place is really inconvenient, though it's hip. It's 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 kind of got like hipster cred. There's like hip little restaurants and boutiques around there. Um, seventy nine hundred for a two bedroom, and it was, it's not particularly big. I mean, under definitely under. I think it was probably. I would guess probably on the order of seven hundred fifty square feet, <laughs> maybe eight hundred, but under a thousand for sure. Seventy nine hundred oh, bucks, and. The building is half empty. I mean, there's available units all over that. I mean, the top floors are more occupied, but the lower floors are almost... I mean, they're completely fucking empty. Is it just rentals? Rentals, yeah. And so here's my point is like you have this neighborhood in Brooklyn that has like certain amount of like hipster credibility right now. And I say hipster in the loosest term possible. I just mean fancy... like culturally relevant or bougie, or cu- yeah. culturally esteemed part of brooklyn you know like the type of neighborhood that will show up in a netflix show <laughs> right like it, right. Was, it did show up like in in the in season one of you like he, he meets a girl over in Greenpoint, you know um so it has like it's on the cultural radar it's walkable to uh you know williamsburg which has totally solidified its ca- cultural cachet yeah but it's not convenient it sucks and they will chart they will build apartments at that tier at that rental tier and let it sit half empty because the the culture i think it's the culture the price of like cultural containment to be living within the cultural boundaries of what we call you know acceptable status new yorker the kind that is a you know is actually like participating in the glitzier side of new york mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though nobody wants that apartment but as you said they're half empty they're half empty but they will still price it as such so they're not going to budge on price no absolutely not because right? Yeah, well, they I mean, don't have would, to. They're not incentivized
1: yeah. even by the tax no, they're uh, not. tax structure yeah. either. Uh, they can just write yeah, off. Yeah. Like, they can write off what they don't rent out. So why would they lower lower the putative value? And I mean, at, at some
0: point they're going to want to. They're going to have to. You know, eventually they're going to have to find a way to occupy these things. I think they're just looking into like, no, look, it's Greenpoint. Maybe the renters aren't here, but it's going to get gentrified. Like pe- the, the right. demand will come. They have so a we few have to keep years our prices high. Yeah. yeah. They have a few years yet and before they they're have probably to start not running. wrong in some sense, even yeah. though it this is not LIC. It's L I C is very convenient. This is not convenient. But like <laughs> what does
1: LIC stand for? Long Island City. Oh, okay. Okay. And
0: it's just one neighborhood up north from Greenpoint, but there is the seven train and the art, you know. A lot better. It's a yeah, lot better. A lot more convenient. Yeah. Uh, I believe the F go the F is ish F ish goes there, but yeah, seven seven train goes right through yeah. there. Yeah. So they they have an easy time to get to Manhattan. Uh, but the point being that what's my what is my point here? My point this is a long winded way of saying that you're describing
1: this this segment of housing as a Veblen good.
0: It's a Veblen good, and th- yes, that they will not they the the material. And I don't think the schools in Greenpoint are necessarily good or anything. The point is that that is a culturally terraformed place for people of a certain class identity
3: mm-hmm. to live
0: in, and they would never move to my neighborhood, which is way way more convenient,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and the rents are far far more uh, realistic. I mean, I pay like I I pay one fourth of that. Yeah, for an apartment that's actually bigger. Oh yeah, it's a pre-war, so I think it's nicer. I have like plaster walls, and you know, better construction Eight and a half foot ceilings or nine foot ceilings, right? Definitely a better construction than modern construction. I mean, it's fine. Like, I have no problems with the quality of the place, though it's not. You know, it's maybe not instantly TikTokable. See, Uh, that's
1: that's the thing. Yeah,
0: and I don't have like a you know one of those Italian italian soaking tubs or whatever you know, <laughs> they'll 40 never 40, use 40. Right? my bl- my bathroom isn't encased in glass no <laughs> you know? but it's like and they
2: would never they would never even contemplate moving to where i live yeah they wouldn't they wouldn't <laughs> i mean it, even more even it would be lower even lower on the totem pole than where you live because at least you live in the city like yeah. i am I'm, I'm across the river in jersey and that's like they you're would a
0: bonafide b and yeah i'm yeah I'm, i mean i'm i'm scum of the earth yeah, I mean, just the existence of that term, B and Tier, you know, yeah. Bridge and Tunnel. What is that? Uh, oh, bri- Bridge and Tunnel. Yeah, yeah. It, it means it, you got to cross derogative. a bridge or a tunnel to get home after after cocktails. Yeah, exactly, exactly yeah so it's uh, yeah, that's it's like uh, that's part.
1: like let's um i forget the term that they used but like in texas and california uh when before the border was a was like a heavily militarized zone basically it was kind of an open border so like um the usual way that it would work is like day laborers or like temporary migrants would just cross the quote border to pick up work for the day and just go home at night yeah. so they're just crossing an international border every day or like seasonally at least and there were a lot of terms referred to them and it's it's like derogatory terms too. So mm-hmm. I'm Basically, talking about like servants or serfs that are just crossing the border um, and going back. Like it just, it just recalled that you can just sense the disdain. Like oh they yeah, they actually it's cross disdain. the tunnel to get here. It's like they're coming mm-hmm. from another country, as well be Mexico. Yeah. yeah,
2: it's like we we only we only um, we only like tolerate you because you uh, you know bring money and you're kind of fun when you're here, but you can leave when you're done. Yeah.
1: So I mean, what are we talking about? So we've we've excoriated the neuroses of the PMC. We will continue to do so. I'm always happy to do that because I'm going through a real thing right now. Um, like, what are we mad at? Like, are we criticizing something? Uh, is it a someone? Are we talking I'm about a whole system that's it. going sideways? Like, I'm
0: not mad about it. I mean, I, I just think that we need to in, because, like, clearly people are struggling with this, right? And mm-hmm. here's the thing: I know I've you know I have plenty. Of friends who are finding themselves in this bind you know like they're like it's really hard to make ends meet despite you know us being mid mid six figures uh, because the cost of living is too high and I, it's they're not lying <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, it's yeah.
1: expensive for what the life that they want which is very very tightly yeah. constrained in that but sense. the point is
0: that these people like let's take my friends in like you know the maryland area you know they will. They they must live in like you know like a Bethesda or something, but they won't live in like a Silver Spring, and they'll claim that that's because Silver Spring has shitty schools or it's dangerous or whatever. But I think even more imperative than that is that it's just the wrong. It's just, the, it's just the wrong place. To, it's just the wrong zip code. You know, and and the schools are fine. I mean, that I don't think. Here's the thing. Not only are the schools fine in other. In 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 other less desirable zip codes, but the the rich schools are not that good.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: They're they're like way overrated, and it, it and it reflects actually in their college admissions, uh, which are not nearly I, as good yeah. as you would think. Um, and so because you know honestly the top top flight college admissions has really moved on to a whole other stratum. You know you got to go to like private school to really have an enhanced shot. You can't go to a top tier public school anymore. Um. And you gotta get real. I mean, literally, like these are like top flight public schools that are sending like maybe if they're lucky one kid to Harvard, right? I mean, there's not many spaces left, uh, and all the top flight schools, uh, colleges are, you know, it's just super tough to get in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because like legacy and you know private school pipeline is is just getting bigger and bigger. Uh, my point being. Why are we saying this on an Asian-American podcast? I want to posit this, and I'm curious your thoughts, is that in this situation, I think being Asian, uh, in fact, being non-white, but Asian in particular, there's a distinct advantage that we have, which is that we can maintain uh, a coherent sense of like community and identity without having to default into what is considered what it would be the mainstream notion of what is and what is not a desirable area to live. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, it would be much harder for me to live in my area if I wasn't Asian. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Same. Um, and that actually is like in material terms, I mean, in economic terms, I I basically got like a 30, 40% raise, (laughs) you know, just by (laughs) deciding, just saying I'm going to live here instead. Because I, mean, I got uh, friends that are paying like upwards of five figures a month in rent to be in Park Slope. Are they Asian? I don't even or, think it's that great.
1: Or are you just talking about generally there's no people. are they Asian or
0: No, Asian? uh yeah. I mean there's a mix, but I'm talking I'm thinking of a white person, but
1: Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. No, that's fair. Like where I live right now, so like right on the border of the San Gabriel Valley, so the six two six area code, basically, um itself a huge parcel of land. Right, but close enough to like um like me being like like being in tech, like you will you will end up going to the west side quite often, right if you are if you are in that industry just naturally. a lot has moved a lot has moved downtown either, which was even better geographically speaking, so it's both so it's very primo real estate, honestly. Um, that has a that has a significantly lower like cost of living. That like food is expensive. Food's just going to be expensive all across the the county. There's not going to be really that much variation. Um, but even still, like the quality will be different, the density and and, uh, and variety that you have access to, um, and definitely rent and mortgage will be much lower in the San Gabriel Valley, generally speaking, uh, than it will be, say, like on the extreme the the bougie West Side. Uh, but you still if you but if you live there you still have access to everything it's not a trek it's not a journey to get to to get to wherever i mean traffic is it can be a you know a pain but that aside like it's it's a real like hack if you will mm-hmm and I think a lot of people are kind of are seeing that. Um, when I was a kid, the big one of the big laments was a lot of the like the first gen, uh, like San Gabriel Valley really only got started like in I think like the the eighties really. Like the city I grew up in, Arcadia, I think it had a race charter on its homes until like like barely ten years oh, before, shit. like really? we moved in. Yeah, Damn. it was a it was a wealthy city like San Marino, Arcadia. Those were, uh, those were where some real like like land barons of los angeles made their made their homes like pasadena San it was Marino more appeal. like a
0: rural like mm. more rural pastoral setting back in the day maybe i don't know before it was like
1: um i mean this this loosely speaking a lot of a lot of these land barons actually made their money in like orange county
0: uh, okay like uh, in and agriculture
1: bought- and then uh, los angeles was kind of the residential it, like it, i'm simplifying a lot but basically that's how yeah. it happened so okay. um so, so that's just kind of how it came up, and then post-war, obviously, big housing boom, um, and then but there were race charters on it. So in Arcadia, you, I mean, for people who don't know, uh, I, I might not be using the right word for it, but anyway, it's a term written into like the stale of your home, restrictive. Yeah, there we go. Right. Uh, bounded by race, so basically saying no, like. Yes. You are you are legally bound to only sell this home to another member of the white race, basically. Yeah, because when you bought oh, yeah. it,
0: there's a covenant on it that said you won't sell to a non-white person. Yeah, which, covenant, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah.
1: yeah, that barely got overturned like 10 years before my parents bought their place, right? Yeah, I mean, they – because um, the
0: argument yeah. was uh, – sorry, I have to chime in here with my little legal uh, trivia here. The argument was that it's not against the law because this is just a private agreement.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So well, how could it be illegal if I am putting – Claim on my own personal title that this should never be owned by anyone but a white person. This right. isn't, I'm not, this isn't a law, right? I'm not, uh, this isn't like in violation. I'm not passing a, a discriminatory law. I'm just saying, like, I don't want my house to ever belong to a white person. Just, it's <laughs> just
2: a contract or something. To, uh, to to yeah, it's just parties. a contract.
0: And uh, that, that, it's kind of a tricky thing. And there was a lot of, there was a litigation around it. And uh, I, I won't tell you the answer as to how they, resolve that i think people should look it up it's it's kind of interesting but yeah i'm
1: gonna i never really bought i never really thought about that but yeah you're right um yeah and they bought i
0: mean that that was the going view of this was like okay it's not like the county or the state is saying like you know asian people can't buy it's the owner that said you know how can i how can we say that an owner isn't allowed to choose who buys the property you know right. so anyway, and that far. it just
1: happens to be several thousand houses all next to each other yeah, exactly. <laughs> individually wanting that hey you know how okay i'm definitely going to look that up um yeah just saying like it's a fairly recent thing say the the rise of the sangria valley um uh, and so the big concern when I was growing up, from that I kept hearing from like the uh, like the first gen that was there, is they all assumed that the San Gabriel Valley would kind of die out as an enclave. Like they're they're really banding together. They 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 saw the need uh, and the benefits. Um, yeah, I, just quick diversion there: need versus benefit. I feel like a lot of dis- discussion about these ethnic enclaves is hyper focused on the concept of need, like it's a ghetto. Mm-hmm. And while that might be true, I think there's actually true benefit that people see in, in banding together like this. I definitely saw a lot of community benefit in people uh banding together, pooling social capital, actual capital, and the kids all benefited from that that kind of ecosystem. Okay. That aside, um, but I got the general sense that people kind of felt that this community would die out. Uh, because the idea was that you That's raise up the kids, okay. um, you raise up the kids, um, uh, and you educate them, they get a foothold in the society, and then they would leave. Mm. Like they're yeah, no they could, longer yeah, really quite restricted okay. to, to this area. So right. they were kind then, of re, recreating this concept that this is, oh, kind of, this is a little bit restrictive on them too. So where would the assuming parents go? Well, they would probably just like it wasn't really about it's not really mechan- it's not really a mechanical discussion about like where i'm specifically going to live it was more in general they did not see this community being able to survive uh, across generations because okay. the idea is that once if you give the kids the enough kids would of a football
2: into yeah, yeah it, no they'd move away they wouldn't their house would the be ghetto. there and then and that's the parents part of the... would pass and then i guess they'd just sell the house and then yeah, night, and
1: just kind right? of dissipate over time, right? This was okay. a temporary kind of emergency measure to really raise up this generation of kids, get them that foothold. Right, and right. then that part of the gift that you are giving giving the kids is then the freedom and the ability to be able to live anywhere they wanted. So they could live in, you know, the West Side if they wanted to, they would not feel culturally, um, you know, I- excluded or, you know, uncomfortable there they'd have the financial okay. means to do that they'd have the everything that they needed every tool social tool at their disposal to be able to live and function anywhere that they pleased mm-hmm. you know
0: that's the story of manhattan chinatown oh, right? yeah. like wh- how is this how is this neighborhood still existent mm-hmm. yeah
1: and uh you would
0: think everyone would have run away from it because every time we talk about manhattan chinatown we only talk about how poor and dysfunctional it is mm-hmm. uh but the, you know when when um when millie uh went filming in manhattan chinatown with dan and 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 phillips for for the film project you know the thing she told us was like you know i've never really got to spend as much time down there as i would have liked until this project and i'm like she's like i met all these like young business owners they're like young you know (laughs) and they're like they weren't opening up like you know an an old struggling curio shop that you know i don't really bring in any money anymore but they were like yeah there it was like all these like there were there were like sneakerhead shops and fancy tea shops and you know you know all the stuff all of the sort of like cool young people shit that you would find in the east village let's say but in Chinatown and it was owned by young chinese people who like were from the area and decided they wanted to go back to it um, or you see like uh you know, like Nam Wah, for example, which is kind of like was became got to the sort of like the next level of re- restaurant success in New York City, where they have like multiple branches open now. And the son of the family that opened up this like ancient, you know, I think they call it the oldest tea house in, in Chinatown um, on, on Doyers, you know, that famous little street. Mm hmm. He was like a Morgan Stanley banker and decided to quit his banking career and and manage uh Nam-wa and turned it into sort of like this restaurant that you've got to line up for now with out of towners and white people, you know, uh, meaning that he flipped the f- formula and said, like, no, Chinatown isn't a scar or a ghetto. It's a fucking attraction you know um so that that's a very different attitude I, I don't, I'm sorry, Jess, I, I, I figured that this had some relevance to kind of what you're saying about. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's yeah. kind of the same story. Like, so when I was growing up, like it was like, you know, just hearing that it would kind of die out, like people didn't expect it to develop any further than it did by say, like the 90s. And then, you know, once a second gen got its foothold, like, they're expecting like the third gen onwards would kind of be mm. disseminated across wherever, right? Not, 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 they wouldn't be coming back. Um, and that that actually isn't true like for a little bit that actually sa- started seeming true right like you go through these big uh these big enclaves uh there wasn't a lot to do at night especially um like um like boba was a thing but it wasn't quite like an, an attraction it certainly wasn't a thing to the extent that it is now right um uh, you weren't seeing a lot of families like young uh young families uh coming through it was all like it was it was kind of portrayed as a, like an old people place, um, kind of stodgy, not very desirable. Um, you would like the desirable places would be further out in the, in the city closer to the West side, for example, etc. Um, that script is flipping. Uh, there's a lot more young people trying to come back in, uh, trying to raise families here. Um, uh, there's th- th- just the sheer like density and quality of like the stuff mm. you are able mm-hmm. to do here is just phenomenal. So it's really te- it's it's really seeming like it's not only not dying um it's growing and it's thriving. There is there is a lot of money coming in, a lot of people yeah. eager to yeah. like be part of it. Um it's a and real it's just social better, ecosystem. isn't it? Don't it goes, you think it's yeah, just getting it better
0: generally? Yeah. Like there's more it's, services, there's more the benefit, retail, right? There's right. more mm-hmm. infrastructure all the time. It's yeah. not There's
1: choice, right? There's mm-hmm. variety. It's not like and it's 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 a matter of real like it's like it's um it's not even like i see a lot of like um you know like the nationalist square like we got to band together for the race so that means like sacrificing for the race like dealing with bad service or poor selection or just (laughs) shitty shitty living conditions like it's the opposite of that like it's the easiest thing to be supporting this i want to i see a real material benefit to my life uh, first and foremost, and it's a real like joy to be part of it here. Uh, I would love to, I would love to be part of this for a very long time. Um, like, it's just like, you know, um, where am I going with this?
0: Where are you we know, going? It
1: feels like a real hack. Honestly, so it's it's like a yes, little like yes, side yeah, yes, side yeah. door out of all of the the angsty yes. hand wringing hand you word. see in the newspapers about like the cost of living crisis or you know how how untenable the situation here or there is. It's it's like they're not they might be talking about L.A. but it's not like it's not the L.A. that I live in. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: It feels yeah. like it feels like living in the cl- it, like like living in a little bit like you're, you popped into the closet to, to be Narnia and then you pop out again sometimes. Like,
2: well, yeah. And I don't, I don't, and I think, you know, you make the point team that maybe it's because we're, we're non-white right? Like that we have access to this hack. I, I don't know yes. how, I don't know how, like someone who grew up in Westchester, like where I grew up, but you know, is just sort of like white Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, liberal, not particularly religious, um, isn't particularly like connected to their like Italian heritage or, you know, German heritage or English heritage. Where would they go? Like, there is nothing equivalent to like a Fort Lee or where? Yeah, I mean, like Arcadia exactly. or they, anything they like that. They could live in like, Fort
0: Lee, but they're not going to enjoy. Well, they're it the not going to do. do that, right? There, it would yeah.
2: be, it'd be a certain type of white person who would enjoy it, but not the ones I'm talking about.
0: I mean, even like a like a, yeah, I I just don't see like white people really enjoying living in a true ethnic enclave yeah i just don't see it because like just the 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 services that are available the things that make this place a city or a town or whatever it just doesn't help them it's just not it's just not good for them like like there is no there's no whole foods here there's not even really like a shop, like not a shop right um like what, what like a key food food. yeah Yeah, like a normal, you know a quote normal white you know like american (laughs) grocery store there's only uh asian groceries and you you, it doesn't have all the stuff that you know uh non-asian people or non-latinos want right but it's everything that if you cook chinese at home or you know whatever like they have all the things
2: yeah yeah it's it's funny like do you know the demographics of where you live? Like cuz in Fort Lee, like you would think that if you just look at all of the restaurants, all the sort of signs, um the the mix of like grocery stores and all that stuff, you would think it was like 90% like Korean and Chinese. Yeah. But it's only like 30%.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs>
2: but it, no, it's here, hilarious. Is,
0: here is pretty it's like 60% Hispanic, 30% Asian, you know, something something yeah. like that. It's like
2: I'm just way I'm just dumb, saying yeah. like if you were looking at all the things that are sort of available as like services, mm-hmm. you would think it's like totally flipped, but it's it's still like 60-70% like, you know, white American. Yeah. Well, it's still a it's still yeah. Yep. You know. But mm-hmm. it's like it it's I don't know. It it it's such a great place to, you know, and it's we're right near the city, so I, but again, like I don't it's not it wouldn't be available to the most, you know, people in new york city like they just wouldn't want to live here yeah
0: yeah so i just think you know i remember one time i was having uh i I remember i met ron kim had invited me and shan out to go have dinner in flushing Mm. and we went there we're having like hot pot at this giant hot pot restaurant that opened up flushing is another one of these enclaves where it's just like it's so it's just gotten so much investment money pouring into it right now it's just it's just develop it just keeps developing and redeveloping and redeveloping. And it's getting more modern and more glitzy. Yeah. And, you know, there's just more and more all the time. Uh and no different than like when I went to Cobble Hill or Brooklyn Heights the other day, it's no different in the sense of like how much development activity is going in there. Not to say that flushing is like that affordable, but it is a way different profile living there. Then wanting to live in Cobble Hill or something like that. And we're having dinner there and like some of their neighbors rolled up and we're sitting next to us and I was just chatting with them. And like she was like a big law firm lawyer and the guy was working at like, you know, like a Facebook type Mm -hmm. tier tech company. So, you know, you know, they were definitely like, you know, middle six income types but they were, like, living in Flushing. And, and you know, and, and then their Friday was, like, we're going to go have hot pot in Flushing. They, You know, and it's just different for them. And I guess that buys them more options out there in terms of, like, being able to get a bigger place to have kids. Yeah. And then they're not as worried about the schools because, frankly, there's less worry about sending your kids to a mostly Asian school than uh, if you're Asian. <laughs> you know, I mean... Yeah, yeah. So... It's just an option. Like I see this this couple and I'm like, this wouldn't be available. I mean, Ron himself, he has three daughters and they live in the city, but they live in flushing. <laughs> like mm-hmm. where else is he gonna house a, a you know, three girls comfortably and send him, you know, not have to pay an arm and a leg and bankrupt himself, sending them to private school. You know, so um maybe he does send him to private school, I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean uh that's my. i i know a lot of people like that. I, knew that I used to hang out with this korean guy a friend uh who lived in um west la and then told me that he was he was like yeah you know i'm going to be gone you know so i don't know if we'll hang out again but <laughs> i was like oh where are you going and he was like oh I'm moving to cerritos which is like a asian enclave of sorts just mm-hmm. if i'm not if i'm not mistaken yep. and he was like yeah it's just cheaper out there and the schools are really good cuz it's all asian kids and you know, we they just had their second kid, and they're like, "It's yeah, a one-to-one siblings.
1: correlation." By the way, it's like it's like you you, you see you see a, a city um, jump up past like thirty percent Asian, and just watch the school rankings oh, shoot up. Oh yeah,
0: mm. yeah. He said, "Yeah, moving there for the schools." He's like, "I'm not I'm not gonna try and kill myself trying to get into fucking Manhattan Beach." Right. And he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're just moving to Cerritos," which. Is not a glamorous neighborhood, I'm sure. But he's like, I like living there. It's nice, you know?
1: It's very comfortable. Uh, a lot yeah. of this post-war, the post-war suburban developments in California, they're really good for raising families. Like, the houses have a lot of space. There's there's yards. Uh, there's usually – they're pretty late. They're, – they're laid out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's you minimize like cars being able to come in, blow through past a house at like eighty miles an hour. That's good. That's good. Um, Things are always pretty like like amenities are pretty close by. Like like the urban planning was really good. But and what else would you
2: want, right? Like why else are you gonna live in a place? Um,
0: Because you know, I don't know. To that question, Adam, I you know, Shan was telling me about this blog that she read about it was a Chinese guy like a like a you know like a first-gen immigrant who was doing like a list of like the best neighborhoods for like Chinese immigrants to okay. move to <clears throat> and number one on that list <clears throat> sorry the list is not what you would normally expect LA and New York were nowhere near on that list um, and some of them I didn't agree with and I was telling Shan because as a first I think a lot of first-gen Chinese or first-gen Asian immigrants don't really recognize like the problem mm-hmm that you face raising kids in a place like Missouri. Like, yeah. You, know, you don't want Missouri. to do that. <clears throat> but number one on the list is actually near where I grew up. Sugarland.
1: Rock- oh, I
0: thought it was like- not bad. <clears throat> Sugarland is, mm-hmm. you know, parts of Houston or in Texas are great
3: mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> um, because there's larger Asian populations there. But yeah. the, uh, Rockville, Maryland was number one. And I, and the second I saw that, I was like, that's a good, I can tell that this guy put some thought into this because Rockville, Maryland is most famous uh, f- because it was an R.E.M. song called Don't Go Back to Rockville. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he was dating a girl from Rockville. And Rockville, Maryland is exactly. It's just a completely unglamorous, you know, boring, uh, solidly middle class, typical American suburb. It's nice. I think it's nice. Mm-hmm. But I remember I brought one time Tim Shurrock, who lives in Washington, dc he's a dc guy was just like oh the most soulless vapid you know <laughs> like and i don't blame him for saying that i'm just saying that that's the typical view from americans about what rockville maryland is it's just like you're just stuck it's just like it's a nowhere place don't go back to rockville and the advantage i think that's a disadvantage to have that attitude yes i was gonna say hey yeah because right? you're boxing yourself out from this neighborhood where this guy did an objective measure of like, what is the what what's housing prices relative to the income for jobs in mm-hmm. the in the that city. area? Yeah. yeah, versus the quality of the schools, and he's like, oh shit, it hits yeah. it's a trifecta. The
2: crime, you know, g- convenience of living, right? Yeah, Just not uh, what do you get for your money? Um, Is it close to anywhere you might want to go on like a weekend if you want to have a little excitement? Um Like. What what do we and I guess that like goes circles back to those articles of like the you know I wake we make four hundred thousand dollars and we barely get by because you know we mentioned about like what are they really saying and I think as we're we're they're saying saying, don't go back to Rockville yeah they're saying don't go back to Rockville and they're they're talking about like not just like the boring mundane sort of soulless uh, things like is it safe can my kids have enough room to grow up and are the schools decent, like good enough to, you know, to pretty good? Um, and they're, they're talking about these other things. And I'm like, well, why are you worried about
0: that stuff? And you, and Adam, you know what's going on now uh, is that <clears throat> Rockville is known uh, among the Chinese and Asian community yeah. as uh, sort of the, 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 the de facto Chinatown of the D.C. area. Okay, that's good. I because think that's a good thing. That's gonna, it. Is it a good, just makes Rockville a better place. Like the food's gonna get better. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? So what happened <laughs> is, what happened is that the sort of like anti-glamour, the sort of like mm-hmm. just sheer practicality of the matter, the sheer blandness, <laughs> and you know, just anti-magnetism of the place. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, anyone who was, like, upwardly mobile just cleared out, and they were like, I'm not living in Rockville. I'm living in Bethesda, or I'm living in Chevy Chase, or I'm living in D- – I'm moving to De- – I'm going to go to DuPont Circle DC, or whatever, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, I'm not living in fucking Rockville, Maryland. That's, like, where, like, you know, people go to turn old and die, you know? And what happened was a lot of Chinese and Asian immigrants – it's definitely not just Chinese mm-hmm. – um, were like, okay, well, for some reason – You got, like, really good high schools in that area, and housing is, like, way fucking cheaper for some reason here than it is, like, literally, like, one town down, which is Bethesda. Crazy. So, I don't know what the big difference is, but we're going to start buying property here, which is, I think, what happened to Flushing back in the day, you know? Like, Flushing wasn't always Chinese, like, you know? Yeah, no, uh, it wasn't.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Fort Lee wasn't always, uh, you know, Japanese and Korean, right? It was mainly Polish and, like, Russian.
0: Yeah, and I think what happened was they you know, Asian immigrants looked at these like sweet spots that were, you know, relatively convenient uh in terms of transit and accessibility. Yep. Um had, you know, pretty good housing stock and otherwise in decent schools, but it just wasn't fashionable. Yeah. And they were like, fuck it, I'm going to buy. And in the process of everyone saying, you know what, fuck it, I, you know, I don't, they don't, it's not even that they didn't care about fashionability. They don't even have a concept of it. Mm. They don't care about that shit. And what happened over time, uh, as you say, Adam, was that because they started investing in that neighborhood, it suddenly became cool again. Yeah. And now they started opening up Asian food halls and stuff in Rockville. And then the city was like pouring money into redeveloping the downtown part. And I go and I'm like, holy shit. People are living in condos in Rockville now. There's like all these like fucking Asian bakeries and shit here. I'm like, what happened? This this wasn't here when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean people (laughs) are coming from other places to go to Rockville.
2: Yes, and that's happening in like the Fort Lee, Lee, Cliffside uh, Cliffside Park, at Edgewater. That's happening here. And like I'm sure it's happening
0: in in Arcadian stuff too. Yeah, Yeah, it's totally I would assume,
2: yeah. I mean the town itself is I you know I don't know the whole history, but like I am sure that it was probably on a downturn for a while, and then like Samsung opened and like other uh, you know Asian um, businesses opened their offices and around here, and it, it saved the town. I would say like it it, it transformed it, yeah. um, and I'm not gonna you know, and I it's funny because I, I was thinking I just remembered this because you know, Jess, you we were talking about how like you know people maybe the first gen didn't think that like arcadia and these towns would survive um it's funny like my aunt just bought a place uh you know in in fort lee like my my um my mother-in-law is gonna buy a place at some point and like they they like hung out in this area and like had jobs here or my aunt did like 20 30 years ago and they're like surprised that they're back they were surprised that we bought a place. Interesting, yeah. But they were like, because oh. I think in their mind, maybe they would never say this, or maybe they, I don't know if they think about it this way. But they were probably like, "We're you know, this isn't like a place you really want to like stay or like buy." Like, you know, it's 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 sort of it, it. There isn't much here. It's probably gonna be like gone at, at some point. Like, but now it's like completely d- different, right? And they like come back and they're like, "Oh my god, it's like totally transformed. It's so much bigger and and and." um vibrant than they would have even expect you know what they would have expected when they were working there like 20, 30 years ago. So I I just thought of that when, you know, remembering what you were saying, Jess. Uh, I think, oh, I think I it think totally it fits to into with, that mold.
0: I think this is a case, clear case, where, you know, the the relative cultural uh naivety uh of immigrants turns yeah. out to be a big advantage because they're not saddled with sometimes the um arbitrary distinctions between what is fashionable and not agreed. fashionable and it is arbitrary it is <laughs> and the four hundred thousand dollars a year you know uh i can't make ends meet people or the problem i think is that they're too heavily assimilated into fashionable culture agreed and they won't just fucking do the do the spreadsheet and be like, oh, you know, we should move to Rockville (laughs) Mm -hmm. because REM said don't go back there. And so, um, yeah, I I think this is a case where, uh, you know, I think being Asian in America is a huge advantage uh, in this respect so i i think so I too it's underrated
1: positive. and i actually don't yeah. want to talk, be too loud about it because it <laughs> i was gonna say it's one of those like, <laughs> like bro i'm looking for it. a house like, i would like to buy a house someday <laughs> like, it's, it's getting dicey let's not be too loud about this but it's uh, like like the shows that were pretty popular um like a couple of years ago like yellowstone succession i watched one called outer range on prime excellent show oh, it's outer great. range
2: yeah just um josh brolin right
1: yeah yeah um and it's all about like um like people like like powerful families who um uh, like i found myself kind of like being jealous a little right like wow um so you are in the position you're in because your like great grandfather you know uh did some genocide and staked out like a 500 acre <laughs> yeah. claim in Wyoming uh, and then like, this is like your ancestral home. This is your well, ancestral, eh, the, the quote unquote your ancestral world, home. Right. To the, <laughs> and you're so, and like now the, the drama that you're dealing with is how to successfully pass it on without your dipshit, um kids blowing it all right Mm. like that's your struggle like wow wouldn't that have been something and then that just got me thinking like collect like maybe not individually we don't have families quite like like individual families quite like that lupi sure gunning for (laughs) gunning for king of colorado though so you know hold hold the space uh, watch the space like
2: all of colorado
1: yeah in like 80 years it's gonna be it's gonna be a yellowstone but like lupi's great like grandson or something um like the Ted Turner of Colorado instead of Wyoming, Colorado. basically, yeah. But collectively across like the here
2: in the Rockies of Colorado,
1: there you go. <laughs> yeah, see, teen teens auditioning for the role already. That's right. um, you
2: can be the groundskeeper or the yeah. the caretaker. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Like collectively across these big, you know, acro- collectively across the country in these in these. um These big metropolitan and upcoming, you know, upcoming like rising cities too. Like um, that generation made some very savvy decisions. Yeah, that that played out well and is turning into like collective capital right Almost for the in people who are who are who are lucky enough to be living in them and enjoying the fruits of that labor right like staking yeah. out the San Gabriel Valley that's this is like this is a several trillion dollar like valuation here i'm talking about right like in terms of like the real estate wow um maybe not trillion like significant just the total value of the homes here and the increase in value from when they were when they were first like laid claim to in like i guess the 70s and 80s Um, the location, its proximity to other important areas of Los Angeles, its accessibility, it's really, it's located between two like major freeways, basically.
3: Mm -hmm. So no matter Mm -hmm. where you
1: are in the San Gabriel Valley, you have, you have pretty ready access to a freeway that will take you pretty conveniently to other places you might want to go, um. Schools are great. Like, this is like, what else is this? This is like a land grab, a stake, Mm -hmm. a a claim that has been staked and is slowly turning into a generation, like a generational like heritage. Right. I just want to give a shout out. That's that's work. That's power right there. It is. I think it's kind of lost, especially in like the quote Asian American racial discourse Mm -hmm. where it's still pretty like it's like from the discourse, you would not get a sense that these powerful enclaves were a thing. Do you well, know what I mean? Yeah, Yo, well, for sure.
2: well, and and even when they, and if they do talk about them, they're sort of stinky lunch, right? You don't yeah, want yeah, because
1: yeah, because we're Manhattan Beach or something. Because
0: yeah, yeah. I, re- I remember the Fung Bros did this thing about how you know, like uh, living in the bubble, meaning like there was a whole video about how he was just like a, as you know, a six two six kid, which he isn't. He's from Seattle, uh, but like how he he did this girl and she was like living in West LA. And she was like, you know, had a cool artsy fartsy job and they had a conversation where she was like, you know, you're just like stuck in the bubble and you just don't want to like branch out. And so the point of that video was like, oh, see, this girl that he's trying to get with has moved on beyond, you know, the local neighbor, you know, the local Asian neighborhood kid where she's now branching out and living in white West L.A. and part of the world. This is the win. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not – that's, I think, a very old framing of what's actually happening. And uh, we're at an hour 24 – I kind of want to close this out just by saying that, you know, I've always loved San Francisco. I think it's just like probably the most beautiful city in America. And I don't think people should count it out even though the only news I ever hear about it – and by all accounts, I think they're accurate. I haven't been there in a long time – is that, you know, it's going to shit. and. You know, I I think that there's a lot of Asian. That's a that's probably the most Asian major city in America. It's probably like, oh, isn't it something like close to forty percent Asian?
1: You know, like something like that it feels it definitely feels that way. That
0: sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. one of the few cities that that has had you know an Asian mayor and Asian mm-hmm. people have um, long history there. And you know, I I think that it's too early to count san francisco out because i don't think that asian people are necessarily just going to give up on the city yeah i think the san franciscans view it as asian san franciscans view it as their city and you know i see all these you know i see like elon musk or whatever and all these other tech giants who are not from there you know talk about like it's their city and then when things get rough they're just like fuck it i'm leaving yeah yeah like charles schwab or whatever was like a fuck it i'm moving to florida you know, and they're just abandoning it. And I think that's a foolish move. I think if you look at a neighborhood like Manhattan, Chinatown, the ups and downs that it's been through, people didn't sell. They hodled. They fucking Mm -hmm. hodled. Yeah. And uh, I think that Asian people are going to hodl in San Francisco. And this idea that you should abandon it because it's going through um, an acute period of crisis is wrongheaded. And everyone who's ditching San Francisco right now, Uh, you know, doesn't really deserve to partake in uh, the eventual restoration of that city. And so I hope the city becomes more Asian. Yeah, you know, I I think this is an opportunity for people to consider. I don't know how bad it is, but like San Francisco's in decline. And that to me smells like opportunity. I don't know. Maybe I'm being totally naive here. I think it's
1: in decline from the people who are being hyperbolic about it, which means Mm -hmm. people who have triggered its decline. Yeah. Right. Um, I see it as a great moment for it because I feel like a lot of predatory transient elements that were there mm-hmm. basically to mm-hmm. just to benefit from it, never give back. Um, if they are leaving, that's a good thing. Any yeah. temporary, wa- any wobble in real estate value or like general like money in the city, that's transient.
0: Yeah. yeah. It
1: wasn't doing that much good for the city when it was there.
0: That's right. <laughs> that's right. I mean, right. yeah. It, yeah, it's, yeah. And it's absolutely, I mean, my heart is always, you know is in, San invested Francisco. Here in New York but San Francisco yeah. <laughs> San Francisco is like one of the most beautiful cities in the world well, yeah I, it's got it's one of the few cities in, in North America that can lay claim to being truly right. beautiful I believe uh, yeah that's yeah.
1: So that's 100% true
2: that. and and I don't think um, I don't see San Francisco going anywhere I, I, It's it's sort of like when people talk about like New York is gonna like is on the decline and it's gonna like die. I'm like it's, it's not gonna New die. Work. It's New, New York's York. never gonna die. Yeah. I don't think San Francisco will ever die. Unfortunately, I think that places like cities like St. Louis will die because there's no compelling reason for it yeah. to like come back. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the same with uh, San Francisco at all. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, it's, you make a good point, Jess. Like if the money, if the money people like Alan uh, and and Charles Schwab, and all these other people want to leave. Their money didn't really help it when it when it was there, so it's not a loss, right? So um, it's an opportunity, even if it is going through a hard time. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it getting you, more you, Asian is just gonna help you, it grow you, faster. Like it'll get at, better
0: faster if that happens. It yeah, will. I mean this is this is another inversion of the standard Asian American discourse of we're always outsiders and newcomers. Like no. Like, there's no reason to even be self conscious about that. Like, Chinese in San Francisco are multi generational. They lock down ownership and investment in that city. Same with Manhattan. Same with, and it's, and all the newer enclaves that are popping up, I don't see them flipping that property anytime soon. I think the Asians in 626 are there to stay. I think the Asians in Queens are here to stay. I don't think these neighborhoods are just going to flip. I think they're just going to continue to invest. And like, Flushing. And like the six two six they're they're just going to continue to keep developing and get and getting nicer and more livable and whatever. and Rockville, Maryland, you know, a, a small example of this in action that it's not just the major you know it's not just the huge uh cities, it's also the medium-sized cities like d c um where this is happening. so anyway.
1: I thought that was a a really good conversation. A little recognition of power. I think a lot of discourse is kind of mentally enervating. You feel a little depressed reading it. Yeah, You know, cause it's about trauma. It's about yeah. all the ways that we're yeah. being, yeah. you know, insulted or oppressed.
0: Yeah, and it's, um, and it's well, interesting it was, because, because, like, I guarantee you one of those Abobolib partaking in this conversation would immediately like, okay, but we can't set aside the fact that, like, Asian, Asian people are white adjacent and we do participate in, the, in gentrification <laughs> and we're pushing, you know, like, What? Uh, you know,
1: stop. Dude, uh, Asians are so uh, good at this, I got gentrified it. out of my out, out of my childhood home. All right, like sit okay, down. So, yeah. So right.
0: so if it was white restrictive covenants then, I mean what is it that effect- aren't these effectively Asian restrictive covenants now? I mean, let's no, be real. No,
2: they're not. <laughs>
0: Get the fuck out
2: of
1: here! Yeah, of I here, mean, right? it's it's an, it's just a, it's not saying that any of that is necessarily incorrect, right? Like racism is still a thing, structural. Uh, you know, we can't forget history. All of that. This is just a taking a brief moment to kind of take stock of, like, just appreciate what has been already done. And it's yeah. And oh, what are they doing about it?
0: Because these people all live in the fucking white <laughs> gentrified neighborhoods, and they're they're just depressed because they're paying too much in rent and they are too boba lib to want to be around in living in an Asian neighborhood
1: that's really fr- my really my real frustration so, with that too, upset. Like, they'll embed themselves in these hipster like <laughs> in these Cambridge hipster little neighborhoods yeah and then the and then talking property. about feeling rootless disconnected and then somehow tying that back to being asian somehow like no. like yeah that's
2: no, no. not that is not it's it's yeah.
1: because property uh, property
2: values are I too agree, high yes. and you
1: can't yeah.
0: feel a bond with whole foods
2: you know, I like the fact that there's an, there's not a Whole Foods. We have like three Asian uh, supermarkets. We have fuck one. The Whole
0: Foods. You got a Mitsua yeah. and an H-Mart? I mean, exactly. We two,
2: got two H-Mart. We got like a big H-Mart, Dude, a small we got, H-Mart. We, we got, got a Honouryum. Like there's we got Whole a 99 Foods. Ranch and Hackensack. And we got the Mitsua. <laughs> fuck Whole Foods. And we have the Acme. We have Acme, which is like the American one, right? The American.
0: Yeah. You always need a solid, you yeah. know, retro style All, you know, typical suburban American, like a, they're getting more and more Asian stuff in there now, too. So it's like they realize that your classic 70s era, you know, shop, right? I still love it. I can't help it. But um, of course, of course. I wish there was like a Kroger or a Wegmans
2: instead of the Acme. But what are you going to do?
0: Yeah. All right. I don't want to make it too long so that people won't listen to it because I want them to listen to this conversation. I, I don't, don't really
1: know think. if we made a point. It's just. It's we just, absolutely just, made a point, Jess. Okay. What are you talking right. about? This is a great. I point. don't know. <laughs> I, think I we don't know. Eight. We made right. three,
0: four, five points. Okay. Six even
1: i just appreciate it like we're talking about like 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 just be like appreciating this moment like i know things are bad i know shit's getting we started the episode talking about how you know there's some storm clouds on the horizon i can see them you can see them everyone can see them uh but just a little bit of recognition for you know the the work that already happened um that better prepares us to meet whatever is coming it's the
0: worst of times it's the best of times
1: it really fucking is. You can read. Yeah, I can read about, yep. you know, Sinophobia while, you know, picking between 30 bobo shops within walking distance. It's just, ugh yeah. <laughs> like, how do you make sense of this moment? Yeah. But yeah. I guess briefly there, like people yes. talk, like we talk about like incarceration or internment or something like, I think a that is just kind of a subconscious worry, right? In the minds of a lot of Asian Americans now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what if that happens again? We started the episode again talking about that, how the door isn't actually fully closed on that shit. Um, then to just tie it all the way back around. What we're talking about here, like these these enclaves that have come up, right? This is This is buying a real stake in land. Right. Which is and power in society. So if there is a guarantee, if th- there is never going to be a guarantee that a moment like that won't come again for us. But I think we are much better prepared to not have it all stripped away uh, the, the way the Japanese farmers were in California 100 years ago. Yeah. And it's because of this kind of thing. It's because of staking a claim on land, holding on to it, sacrificing like shit to hang on to it, build a community with other people around you. The collective networked ability, the ability of that network to survive an attack is much greater than anyone, uh, one of us like writing think pieces alone. Honestly, like that's that's power.
2: And yeah. lawyers, we got lawyers. We got lawyers. Oh, we got a lot of lawyers. <laughs>
0: we yeah, do. We got one right <laughs> here. This is. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna rant here for a sec, but don't worry. I'm just ranting against my former self. Okay, It's like stop with the professional self consciousness. Stop with the professional one. No, I hate that. Oh God. It, it is just... good to have skills. It is, it is good yes. that we have lawyers. Yes. Yeah. Maybe it's not the most fulfilling career. Okay. I'm talking. See, I'm talking to myself through time here. Maybe it's not everything you imagined, okay, but the point is having legal knowledge, being aware of your rights, being mm-hmm. aware of basically how the social operating system works and how to navigate it and how to work it and how to use it um it's good it's, yeah. it's, it's well, it's necessary
1: good. to it, right, yes. like we talked about like um if you shoved all 20 if you, if they waved a wand and just shoved all 20 million of us into a camp right now the country falls apart literally yes. falls apart oh, yeah yeah oh, yeah whether so, yes. it lasts 3 days is is the question here so that's the thing like the thing that buys you safety is being both having power of your own but also being necessary to the system here yes Necessary. The system does not. I'm sure at some. We might need some slam poets occasionally. Yeah. (laughs) But it wasn't the. It wasn't. Why not both?
0: Why it not slam all. Yeah. why not lawyers who do slam poetry at night or whatever? Exactly. You're <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hate
1: the <laughs> I hate, <laughs> the, I hate the oh it's my fine. parents my parents only wanted me to be a doctor in a lawyer because they yeah. are smarter than you, apparently. They know right. what they had to do. They know where in time we were at in the process of being do, in this society. That both. wasn't you, the generation not, to quote, follow your dreams and be an itinerant can, van lifer. I, that I, was I, the time to be a <laughs> lawyer. These aren't
0: they're not mutually exclusive.
1: Yeah, you can, do you, do it's do not, the, you don't, you don't open have mic. To make it mutually
0: exclusive. Yeah. You can do the
2: open yeah, mics the, on the The most weekend, offensive
1: right? question I've ever been asked personally and it, you know, it's it's you know, it's not where are you from or anything, like oh, what the fuck is your, that lunch there? It's it's someone who was studying like I don't know French literature or something looking at me like do you do you ever wish you had like majored in something actually creative?
0: That's so mm. condescending, isn't it? Oh my that's God. So,
1: like that's to me like to this day that's the most insulting question as any as anyone I'm has like posed. no I, you, I you don't. know
0: what crystallizes this for me uh, I, and i I love Mike judge. he's the best. office space. Do you remember where um Peter and uh, who's the other guy? Um, uh, Michael Bolton and Samir? Samir's the Indian immigrant, right?
3: Mm-hmm. They're
0: at uh you know they're they just got laid off. And they're at Peter's apartment and Peter's giving this whole spiel about, you know, like, like, you know, how fucked up and spiritually devoid this white collar off, you know, this white collar job is and all this shit. And mm-hmm. Samir goes, yeah, but I need job security, man. Yeah, <laughs> remember that? yeah. yeah, yeah I remember that. The indian That was such a note perfect little quip because, yes, it would totally be the Indian immigrant guy that's still like yeah but job security is a good thing yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) and he was right absolutely right he is yeah Yeah. you know so it's because it's so fun i mean this will probably be another pod we should probably end this but like yeah like you know how all of like the the existential naval gazing of gen x in the 90s late 90s has now come around to everyone's like samir now everyone's samir uh not gonna work here anymore everyone is samir going man it would be nice to have that job security (laughs)
1: I would love yeah. to sit in a
0: cube all day. Yeah, just you know, just cash do those whatever. checks every
1: two weeks. Yeah. yeah, just
0: get to keep the checks coming in, man. I can't afford my rent. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway. Um. All right. Uh. I'm gonna call an end here because we're at an Sweet. hour forty. Uh. Because I I do want to put this out as a entirely free episode. Yeah. Because okay. A good conversation. But thanks for humoring me, guys. Oh, well, absolutely. Girls. Um. And we will catch you next week. Bye. Bye.